0: Uh, Just a little bit more. If you have a Bible handy today, I know I told you that through Lent we would be in the book of Acts. We're actually going to be in the book of 1 John. That's the epistle, 1 John this morning. And we're going to read in the 4th chapter, uh, the 13th to the 17th verses. And again, we'll only be 10 minutes today. So let's jump in. 1 John chapter 4, 13 to 17. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior into the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well, we've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love. Now, don't you love that? Isn't that a nice phrase? I just realized I've got the message plugged in today. I usually use the ESV, but listen to that phrase. When we take up permanent residence, residence in a life of love. We live in God and God lives in us. This way love has the run of the house. It becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in this world is identical with Christ's. So with that in mind let's have a word of prayer. And we'll jump into this. Lord, we pray your blessing upon this scripture this morning, First John 4:13 to 17. Open it to our hearts and lives. Help the love of Jesus to take up residence in each of us, these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Now some of you know uh, that just a couple of weeks ago, I took a little bit of time off. Now, when you take time off, perhaps you go on cruises or you go to the ocean, perhaps you go camping, perhaps you go somewhere. Uh, This is like show and tell. I'd like to share with you a little bit of what I did while I was off. I replaced a master cylinder on my son's truck. That allowed me to take his truck back to him to get my truck back. When my truck came back, (laughs) it needed brakes and an oil change. And while I was changing the oil, I found out it needed a serpentine belt, a three uh, pulleys, and also a belt tensioner. And so I did that. When I got that done, I went and helped someone else do a little bit of a brake job on their car. And why do I tell you that? It's because things don't last. The brakes and the belts, the tires and all those things, they wear out. They uh, have a life to them. And that is sometimes true uh, for you and me in our life of faith with regards to why we do things. Now earlier today I read to you uh, the vision and mission statement of the church. And you'll recall if you were here last week that uh, we talked about the why of Jesus. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the why of Westbrook Park Church. Listen again to John's words. We know that we abide in him, and he abides in us, because we, he has given to us of his spirit. We've seen and we testify that the Father sent his Son into the world to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God, so we have come to know. And we believe that the love of God has come for us. And whoever abides in that love abides in God, and God abides in him. I want to give you two things this morning. One is context and the other is memory. Let's do memory first. I already talked about it. Last week we talked about the why of Jesus. We went back to that prayer, the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17. And we talked about why did Jesus do what he did. Why did the church, the early church in the book of Acts, do what they did? And you will recall that the key to that understanding of why Jesus did what he did and why the early church did what they did was a single word. It was the word love. And it was the the certain word agape, which means God's sacrificial love. So I want you to remember that that's what we talked about last week. I'll tell you an interesting thought. You know, we were talking about why did the early church do all those things they did. This is interesting to me. All the way through the book of Acts, that word agape never appears. Think about that for a minute. These were disciples that sold all they had to take care of each other, who gave up their lives in order to promote the good news of the gospel. And Jesus said the reason he did it, his why, was that the love of God would reside in us. That's why he went to the cross, and that's why we should do what we do. And yet, the very word that Jesus used in the high priestly prayer in John 17, agape, never occurs. In the book of Acts, where we read what the early church did. If you really want to understand the love of God, there's a few places you could look. Back in Ephesians 5, Paul is discoursing about marriage. And he says, husbands, love your wives. And I suppose that's what we ought to do. That's what the word says. But listen to the second half of that verse. Just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a good understanding of agape love. Christ loved us, the body of Christ. He loved his children so much that he sacrificed himself for us. Remember that high priestly prayer? I'll just remind you what he said. He said in John 17, 26, that the reason he did what he did was this, that the love with which God had loved him would be in us and he would be in us. So when you read this passage in 1 John today, when you read that no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, understand that we're talking about what Jesus said to do. Understand that the context you need for today's message is really no more than 1 John chapter 4 in the high priestly prayer that Jesus tells us the reason he did what he did was because he loved us. In 1 John chapter 4, just before the passage I read to you today, the 12th verse, it says this, and listen close, it's 1 John 4 verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, there's really something important in that verse. And I'm reading this just for context to the message today. But if you hear what John wrote, he said, we've never seen God. No one's ever seen God. But if we, listen, church, if we love each other, then God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. You know, you've heard me say many times, If you want to see what God's love looks like, all you had to do was look at Jesus. Well, church, what John's telling us here, and hear me out, John is telling us if you want to know what God's love looks like, you need look no further than the body of Christ, the church. Now, friends, I'm going to tell you we fail at that many times. And I am the chief offender. But what God's intention was was that, yeah, nobody's ever seen God, but if you really want to see what God looks like, take a look at his church. Because the church will be loving the way that Jesus loved. The church will be loving the way that God loves. And the church will point you, will give you the best opportunity to see a picture of what Jesus or God is like. I want you to know something. I want you to know that John, who wrote this passage... He really got what Jesus said when he said what his why was. The reason I know that is because the verse that was recorded, John 17, 26, where Jesus says that the love with which you've loved me would be in them and I in them. John wrote those words. He wrote that gospel. He was there with Jesus. He walked with him. He talked with him. He was a witness to everything that Jesus did. And he wrote down what Jesus' high priestly prayer was. And Jesus said the reason he prayed all those things and the reason he did what he did is because he wanted the love of God for Jesus to be perfected in his followers. And here in this passage, years down the road, John repeats that for us. He says no one's seen God at any time. But if we are able to love each other the way that God loves his son, and if we're able to love each other the way that Jesus loved us, we will reveal to the world, we will become living testimonies to what God looks like. So in the 13th verse, and here we go with that verse at a time that I do with you every week. In the 13th verse, John writes, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. Church, the way that we know that Jesus is in us, the way that he prayed in the high priestly prayer, is that his spirit is in us. Now I know I've told you already that as John penned these words, he walked with Jesus. But let's get into a little bit of detail for a minute. He not only walked with Jesus, but he was there when Jesus did his miracles. He was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was there with Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He was there with Jesus when Jesus gave the great commission to go into all the earth and share the good news of the gospel. He was there on the day of ascension when Jesus said, Wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Spirit. And now listen, church, this is so important. And he was there on the day of Pentecost when God gave his Spirit. And so for him to write... In this 13th verse, here's how we know that God's in us. He's given us of his spirit. It's not just words. He had experienced Pentecost. He had experienced what it meant to live with someone that loved everyone so much he would die for them. He knew what Jesus looked like. And in the 14th verse, he says, we have seen. Stop for a minute. This is so important. We have seen, John writes you know and, and, and in 1 peter when Peter writes those words, he says, we have seen his glory. Peter's referring back to the transfiguration. But when John writes here, and he was also there on the Mount of Transfiguration, but that's not what he's talking about. When John writes, we have seen and we testify that God has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, this is John's testimony. He's telling you what he's seen. It's all of everything that he has experienced of Christ. He's telling us, you know, back in this chapter, the second verse, 1 John 4 and verse 2, this is what John wrote, By this you know the Spirit of God. When a spirit confesses that Jesus is the Christ and come in the flesh, that spirit is from God. And so for John to say, we've seen and we testify He's telling you, I've got the Spirit in me, God's given me the Spirit, I've seen what Jesus did, and this is a message, a testimony to the world of my confession of who Jesus is. He says, we've seen, we remember what, John, we remember what he said, we've seen what he's done. John didn't, quote, see God, but he saw what Jesus did. And everything I've said to you so far, the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, the turning of the water and the wine, the raising of Lazarus from the... dead All of those things are not what point us to what God's love is like. They were the why he did those things. It was the love of God. But they aren't what's going to point us to what that why is like. I'll tell you where you find the why. Why John could write down and say, we've seen it. This disciple whom Jesus loved saw Jesus die that simple you want to see what God's love like don't look at the miracles don't look at all that stuff it's important it's there for a reason it is motivated it's the 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 why behind why he did what he did it's the love of God but if you really want to see what that love is like look at Calvary look at the cross And for you and me as believers in Jesus, when we come next week to to the Holy Week and we come to Palm Sunday and then we go to Maundy Thursday and in particular Good Friday, we have to look. We've got to take a good look. We must place ourselves in the the valley of death and look to the mount where Jesus' cross was placed and we have to see what Jesus did there to understand what love looks like. But John did it. As I said last week in Panavision, he lived it. He didn't reflect back on it, he lived it. And it brought him to the conclusion that what he had seen was the love of God in action. And what he was going to testify about was what he had seen, which would tell others what that love looks like. Church, understand when when John says we've seen it, I want to ask you, have you seen it? Obviously... You didn't physically see it, but have you seen it? Do you understand what the death of Jesus on the cross meant? I'm not asking you to look at your toast to see if you can figure out an image of Jesus. I'm asking you realistically in your heart of hearts, has the Spirit of God placed it in your heart, to know that you have seen the love of God in what Jesus did upon the cross. When, when God in the flesh loved you so much that he died for you, that's why John would write in 1 John four fifteen, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. You know church, sometimes knowledge leads to faith and other times faith leads to, to knowledge. Sometimes what you know will lead you to a deeper belief. And sometimes what you believe will lead you to a deeper understanding. But the statement that John makes here is both. He says, we've come to know and we come to believe. We have experienced the love of God firsthand and we have faith in the love of God firsthand to let everyone that we testify to know that God is love and if you abide in that love, God resides in you and you reside in God. Understand, church, first and foremost, you've got to have knowledge of and faith in who God is and his very nature is love. And to live in God means to live in God's love. And the living of Jesus in us, the way he prayed in that prayer, and the living of us in him, the way he prayed in that prayer, is nothing short of a fellowship, listen, of love. A fellowship of love. A Christian life will be a life of sharing God's love. Sharing it with our friends. Sharing God's love with our families. Sharing God's love with the strangers in our midst. Sharing God's love with our neighbors. Sharing God's love with the world. And so what is it that John saw and testified about? Church, I want to stop for a minute and and have you remember... What I said to you a moment ago, the vision of Westbrook Park Church is to be Christ for Canton and our surrounding community. Let me tell you what we just said in that statement. This, we we are saying our vision is to be able to say to the world that this is what Jesus is like and what Jesus is like is God's love. Thank yeah. you. Church, I want to tell you something before we close this morning. The brake pads on your car will wear out. What they once did, they will no longer do. The belt that turns your air conditioner, your alternator, your water pump, and your power steering pump will one day wear out. They will no, it will no longer do what it was intended to do. And what you'll do is you'll get new brake pads, you'll get a new belt, or you'll get a new car. If you begin with bad parts, you will never, ever, ever, ever be able to have what that car was intended to do for you. If you start with the wrong parts, if you start with worn parts, if you start with bad parts... Church, one of the gifts of the pandemic to each of us, I believe, to our personal lives, to our relationships, to our marriages, to our friends, to our families, but in particular, and the thing I'm concerned with this morning, is to our church. One of the gifts of the pandemic is a new start. It allows us to start with a new understanding of why. Why do we do Vacation Bible School? Well, not because it's fun, and not because Mark and Kristen and Diana and Eric like to do all that stuff. We do it because Jesus loves the world. We do it because Jesus loves the little children. We do it because God has infiltrated our hearts. He's placed his love in us. And we need to take that love to others. Jesus prayed that that love would be in us and that we would be one as he and his Father are one. And when he comes to reside in us by his Spirit, we are under obligation to share it. And so we build polar bear houses, we build igloos, we build all kinds of crazy stuff because the love of God is in us and we want to share it. Why do we do food pantry? Because there's hungry people? Well, yeah, that might be part of it. But more importantly, it's because God loves the world, and because God loves the world, and He shed that love abroad in our hearts, and we are one with Him, and He is one with us, what He would do is feed the hungry. And so we carry out that ministry with the love of God in our hearts. We do it because He first loved us. Why do we have a preschool? In our church, why does the Westbrook Park Place exist? It's because Jesus loved the little children and he loves us. And though the children may not know the love of Jesus the way we do. We are obligated to share that love with them. Because he's in us and we're in him. Church, the new start means we have a new reason for, us, for what we do. The new start means it's no longer about a personality or a pastor or a person aside from the Savior. And it's to reveal to the world what that love looks like. I'm going to tell you, church, we need to repent. We need to repent from how we've done things because we've run with bad brakes, bad belts, and bad hoses. But God's given us the opportunity to start fresh. And if what we do is go back to the bad brakes, the bad hoses, the bad belts, we will never be what Christ intended for us to do. But if we start with a fresh look at why we do things, and the thing that we're doing is because of his love for us, I guarantee you that he will bless that. Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the 14th verse, the love of Christ controls us. Hear that, church. Paul said the love of Christ controls us. Church, my prayer for us is that the love of Christ will control us. That all that we do and all that we are and all that we say will be motivated by the love of Jesus for humanity. Now I realize as I'm talking this morning that some of you may have heard of that love but never experienced that love. So let me take a moment to say to you it's not hard. Jesus died upon a cross for a world that was lost. He did that because he loved you. And if you don't know that today, I want to tell you he loves you more than you could ever imagine. Because he gave his life, God gave his only son on a cross that you could find life. And that really brings me, church, to my bottom line. Jesus lost his life to love us. And we need to give our lives to love God. Jesus lost his life to love you. And when you accept that love... The automatic response, the motivating factor in our life is what Jesus prayed in John 17, 26. I pray that my love would be in them, that they would be one as we are one, and that they would take that love to reveal it to the world. And so we give our lives, not on a cross, but we give our lives in living and serving the God who loved us so much that he gave his own life on our behalf. Church, go home and think about that. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, I'd love to pray with you today that you'd know his love. Pull up here, wave at me, whatever it takes. But church, it's a new beginning. And our why is not about me. If lightning strikes tonight and I'm out of here, your why will remain the same. You will exist because God loves the world and his love is in you and you need to share it with the world. If any one of us are zapped out of here, we will continue forward because his love. His love in us reveals what Jesus is like. Amen.